Thanks for joining the Ross Public podcast. I'm Adrian, partner for digital banking at Ross Public. This episode is about the next generation of business financing, and I'm joined by John Farth, who's the founder of a new financial super app called Rauva. So, John, first of all, thanks a lot that you take the time. Thanks a lot for joining. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Good. Good in Lisbon. The weather is, uh, is good even for January. Yeah, that's great to hear. In uh, Germany, it's just raining <laughs> since, since like a week. Really, really depressing. Um, but yeah, uh, just as a really quick introduction um, about you from my side. Um, so John started his journey as a tech entrepreneur um, after an international M&A career. His achievements include enabling the successful international expansion of Transmetrics. Um, it's a leading AI, AI platform dedicated to logistics, where he was uh, previously the CEO. And most recently, he was the COO at Bank. Um, I think everyone knows that, that brand, um, one of the largest digital banks in Europe. Um, where he actively contributed to the closing of the largest Series A funding round um, in, in Europe's fintech, uh, fintech scene. So my first question, um, like when I read your bio, uh, when I check out your LinkedIn, is uh, like what motivated you to, to actually switch to fintech after working in, in logistics and M&A, which um, I guess is a little bit different. Yes, my back, thank you, Adrian, and thank you for, for the introduction. So uh, yes, my, my background is in M&A. So I worked a couple of years for, for a Chinese group traveled the world with this group and um, I spent two years in, uh, in Beijing, China. And indeed I was focusing on, on M&A, but I was already doing M&A in leasing, lending. Uh, we built the second largest lending business in, uh, in China. We eventually even bought 9.9% uh, .9 of Deutsche Bank, right? So I started a bit early in my career doing more corporate finance. And when I got back from China, I built the first blockchain technology platform, which was actually doing lending peer-to-peer -peer between logistics companies. Right? So uh, that's uh, my first uh, tech, uh, tech startup. We did exit uh, two years later. Then indeed I moved to AI. Right? So still in the logistics space, right? so we are doing predictive analytics in this, uh, this space. So AI and machine learning. And I, um, I, recently, um, I recently also last year, or two years ago now, I, uh, I joined Bank. Right, as a COO, indeed, we closed the, the largest Series A. We bought a, a lending business as well. Right? So, uh, that was my, my first experience in fintech, and uh, it all made sense because you know, if you look at, uh, at my background, it was yes, yeah, was tech, M&A, corporate finance, and AI. And moving to fintech for me was the was really a strategic decision, and also something I was uh, I was willing to do because it's one of the industry which really combines. What I just uh, I just named, right? So you have a lot. You have AI, you have finance, you have you have a lot of those expertise and skills that you can leverage because it's infinite, right? It's uh, it's in the digital space. You can you can build a lot. You can ship features. You can grow vertically, horizontally. So that's that's what what I liked about the the space. All right. No, it sounds sounds really good. Sounds amazing. And I think today. Um... You're the co-founder and CEO of Rauba, um, first financial super app for SMEs operating in the Mediterranean region. We'll get to that uh, in a second, but maybe just for our listeners, a few simple sentences, you know, what is Rauba doing and uh, yeah, about your general value proposition. Rauba is, is focusing only on businesses, right? So vision that we, are, we created is to make entrepreneurship easily accessible to everyone. In our team, we have now 12 nationalities. And more than half of the, of the team members at Rova have built companies before, right? We all experience the challenges that a small or medium businesses would face when they start, when they operate, when they grow. 
Right, so the, the idea of Hova was really that, right? To unlock entrepreneurship, to make it easily accessible to everyone. And we, we decided to build a financial super app to, uh, to solve this, uh, this challenge. Right, so this, this, this financial super app um, has for ambition to basically follow the entrepreneurship journey and to, to grab it by the end at the very beginning, help him to create his company if it's needed, give him a bank account, help him to monetize this bank account and help him to grow. No, that sounds amazing. So we'll get uh, into the specifics of your product uh, also in a second. Um, and yeah, in general, in this episode, um, we'll discuss the current state of the SME market in Europe and how Rover then helps uh, SMEs and freelancers to, to manage their business. If we if we start out with like a macro perspective on um, on the market, and I think you're riding on two really big trends. And the first one is the, you know, uh, the, the boost in uh, the SME growth in Europe. And then the second one is also the shift, as you mentioned, towards super apps or like integrated mm -hmm. uh, software solutions. First, maybe quickly defining uh, SMEs. It's actually a definition that, that was publicly always used also in our white papers and so on um, by the European Commission, which defines SMEs as enterprises uh, employing fewer than 250 people and um, also with less than 50 million in turnover per year, um, which is a, which gives a ballpark size of like what kind of segment I think most fintechs are after. I think most of them even focus even more on the lower end of that market of uh, really small businesses. Um, but if you look at the distribution, I think that's just a long tail of small businesses in most European countries, actually, that um, make up 99% of the whole business population. I think that's one thing. The other one is the, the whole um, segment of self-employed people. So what we've yeah. seen also in COVID, during COVID, that many people started, let's say, online businesses, or even if you had like a, a day job, you started doing something on the side, maybe. Um, yeah. That was, that was I think, quite crazy during the um, during the lockdowns and during COVID. So we saw a lot of uh, freelancer uh, freelancers um, or growth in that segment. What, what led you to the decision to focus on SMEs in the first place? Because it's a really big market, of course, but um, I'm sure there are a lot of other factors, obviously, that go into that decision. First, it was a personal choice, right? My background is really more in B2B. And um, I started m and by actually consolidating a, a small leasing uh, leasing space and it was a lot of small and medium businesses right so it, i have a certain appetite personally for that and in my last experience right in the, in the last fintech i was leading i really under, understood a couple of things right uh, the first thing is the power of carrying a, a full banking license right a credit institution license in europe right you can you can leverage deposits you can you can ship credit you can do much more than than a normal uh, fintech without uh, without a license Right, that was one. The second thing is indeed SME freelancers have made much more challenges which are, which have not been tapped or solved. Right. So what what you see in the in the retail space, and it, it became pretty normal now to transfer money with a very low FX rate to the US or to pay uh, through a, through a, through through a message to you to your friend or get a personal loan fully online or you have mortgages product as well right so that's pretty pretty normal in the retail space while in the sme space we are really far from that right so um, here in portugal for instance we interviewed yeah thousands of uh, thousands of portuguese businesses 73 percent told us that it was a struggle even to open a bank account it takes between one and three weeks in average to open a bank account a business bank account Right, so that was the that was the first thing. Really, the how far behind is the fintech market and the financial market 
for this category of, uh, of SMEs. And if you're a bigger SME, most likely you have an account manager from your bank can you know, really manage properly, right? You have access to credit, you have a personal relationship with your bank. When you look at the, at really where the market is and the volume is, right? So think about all SMEs for us, at, at least for Rova, below 50 employees. You know, we have 1.7 million businesses in Portugal, 1.6 million have less than 50 employees. And indeed, you had the correct figure, 99% of the GDP here is represented by those small businesses. And the needs they have are very different than bigger businesses, but they are completely untapped, right? So opening a bank account uh, is difficult. Getting a credit line, right? In average, it's 53 days to get just a pay from the bank, and 80% of the time is, it's rejected, right? So we, we looked at these challenges, and we looked at the we looked at the, at the at the number and the volume in the market, right? So. In Europe, in EU27, within the 27 members, you have 40 million SMEs and freelancers. It's a growing population. 15% of the working population in Europe is freelance today. 30% in the US, for instance. These numbers will double over the next five years. Right? So get to 30, 35% in Europe and to more than 60% actually in the US. Right? It's a growing population. And, and this is also where the market, I think, uh, the working market is going, right? So, so we looked at that and we analyzed data months over months. And yeah, we decided to, to start at Rova. So we are focusing on the Southern European market for SMEs. If you look at the, the five countries which are actually in the South, so Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, and Greece, the five countries from basically what you call the Mediterranean space, they represent 20 million SMEs and freelancers. So half of the volume is within these five countries. And indeed, right, so in, the, in those markets, you generally have a stronger SME space because you don't have big corporate like you, you might find in Germany, for instance, right? So in Germany, 40, 40% of the GDP is coming from those, uh, those group of companies. In the South, it's, it's much more important. And indeed, it's a lot of work to, uh, to organize to serve them properly. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And um, yeah, that already answered my second question, why the focus on, on Southern Europe. Um, it totally makes, totally makes sense. Uh, and I also fully agree. I really thought that this whole SME um, banking topic was solved because you had a lot of fintechs that already focused on that. Also, when I worked at Holby, um, we did a lot of you know, work on, on making the situation better for like these SMEs that, that as you fully agree, what you just mentioned, that um, the whole customer experience and the offering in general um, really lacks if you compare it to the retail market um, and the innovation that has been happening there. Um, but yeah, so recently I also um, tried to open up a, a new business account um, with, with well-known fintechs and uh, I was totally surprised that um, it was still so cumbersome and uh, time-consuming and uh, then was like, wow, okay, this is still an early stage in that sense that there's still so much uh, yeah, work to be done, um, even even for simple stuff like onboarding and 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 yeah, um, yeah like basic parts of the customer journey. Um, where SMEs, especially in these in the countries that you focus on, I guess, um, yeah, it's 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 a big opportunity to to innovate and um, to provide a better service to these uh, to these customers. Why do you think it is that then, like these, we recently saw um, Conto um, buying up uh, um, um, Penta in Germany. 
and Holby was part of BBVA first and then the founder bought it back. We don't have these huge success stories like, you know, we're, like Bank, for example, um, we're, which, which was more focused on retail for, in the first place. Um, in, in the business segment, we didn't have that yet. Um, any idea why that is or like, did you look at that as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, that's a very good question. And, and this is the whole vision that I had for Rova, right? So there is no champion, as you mentioned, there is no European champion focusing only on, on the business space, right? You, you have strong champions who started back in 2014-15 in the fintech space, targeting more, more the retail customers. Later, most of them expanded into the, the business space, but you have only few propositions in Europe targeting only businesses. Right. And, and indeed, if you look at Conto, for instance, presented for market, they're really focusing on the French market. Penta was really German. Right. So, so that underlines something. Adrian, for me, the, the need is really in the localization for business. Right. So the need yet for, for us, and that's the whole vision of, uh, of Rova, there is a need of localization. Right. If you look at, uh, at the fintech market right, back in 2015, 16, with a couple of pro proposition and successful proposition that started, but really targeting at first the retail space. This is where you have the volume. This is where you, you had the need by then. Later, those propositions for most of them started to really scale into the, the business space. But they were all doing, and this is what you, what you have in Europe right now. The champions, the European champions do both. They do the retail and most of the time it's between 70 and 80% of the customer base is with the retail customers and 20, 25% are generally represented by the businesses. They don't generally also localize the product, right? So if you look at, at France, you have a couple of propositions, Germany, you had one, right? So the market had yet to, to be consolidated because you build something for the local market, right? The way you pay an invoice in Portugal Unfortunately, it's still very different than the way you pay an invoice in, in Spain, right? So uh, in Portugal, for instance, here you have, a, since 1st of January 2021, you have to, to embed the right QR code. You will have to embed a digital signature this year as well, right? It's a, there is a local requirement to even send an invoice. This invoice is connected to the tax system and so on, right? So there is first a challenge of localization. In this SME and freelance space, you win if you localize. There is no way to scale a single mono product across Europe, right? So it's uh, it's it's unfortunately the, the the characteristic of Europe, right? We have 27 countries. We have a bit more than one currency now, but yeah, we have 27 different governments, 27 different way of doing your bookkeeping, your accounting, your expense management, right? So the so this is why I think that we don't have a champion yet. And I think the next champion will be someone who understands how to scale pan-European business, but also understand the needs of localizing the future, localizing the way business are addressing the economy in a given country. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Yeah, so that's uh, that's also what I learned uh, when I was at Holby and, and, and working with others that these uh, small things, as you mentioned, like invo invoice regulations um, can really make or break a product because if it's not adhering to how you should do it locally, then your whole proposition maybe is not attractive anymore because you, you know, SMEs are rather, um, you know, could be careful about it and then say, well, uh, let's, let's just use something else, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, super important. Um, fully agree that that's, this, this is going to be one of the major success factors. 
Um, and also related to that, maybe before we go into your solution, um, also still like on a macro level, I think it's very interesting that you say that you already go probably beyond banking or like pure, let's say, account and payment products, um, which in itself obviously is something that SMEs are lacking. But I think where the market overall is going is um, is to have these uh, obviously super app strategies also for SMEs, where I think it makes perfect sense, especially for that segment, because in retail, it's a whole different story that you might have one day one app for everything. Um, but in for SMEs, they really need that because they need so many different things to run the business. And why should you have like 20 tabs open to run everything? Why not just one or two? So, um, yeah, and based, based on the, on your pitch and on, on your website, um, it looks like this is, this is kind of like the product strategy that you're also following in that sense. Yeah. And, um, I find it very interesting. So, because I think that's also really where it's going in the next evolution of FinTech, that it's not just like innovating on the account or on, on, on the, on the payment product, but really uh leaving it into all these services that your customers anyways need and making them really intelligent because banking as the base layer and then on top of that you have uh, really interesting features on top um yeah how, how do you think about that uh going forward yeah so we are really customer centric right so i wanted to start with the the banking product because this is the most difficult and the most the more regulated product roadmap Right, but indeed, what, when you look at the, at the customer journey, and our customers are the small entrepreneur for now, when you look at, the, at this journey, from the very beginning of the entrepreneurship journey, you struggle. Right? If, you never, if you have never done that before, where do you start? What type of entity do I start? Do I start as a freelance? Do I start as a small business? If I do a small business, do I do a limited company? Right? So the first challenge, start here. Only is banking, right? Once you have incorporated your business, the first thing to do is to do the capital deposit. You need to find a bank. You need to negotiate most of the time with the bank to explain why you need to start a business and how you are going to fund, right? So a lot of different questions for, for a young entrepreneur. And then you need to monetize this business, right? So you need to be able to send an invoice. This invoice more and more need to be compliant. You need to organize bookkeeping, accounting on a monthly basis. You need to be able to match all of those transactions with the right expense, right? And this is before you even started, right? So all of those challenges, we looked at it, and of course, we start with banking, but we also built features to serve the entrepreneurs on this journey, right? So for instance, um, last, uh, last week, we, uh, we started Robago. Robago allows you now, and we are the first one in Portugal doing this, fully online, we help you to set up your company, right? So in 48 hours, you're filed. We send automatically to the, to the government, right? So our, our lawyers are actually incorporating the business on the behalf of the user. Once the business is actually incorporated, we onboard you on a business bank account. You don't need to go physically to the bank. We do that today. We have an onboarding process in less than five minutes. In three hours, an agent, a banking agent is going to validate the account opening. We give you right away a digital card that you can connect to Apple Pay, Google Pay. Four to five days later, we send you a physical card. Along the way, we also explain you how to set up your accounting processes, how to monetize your business, how to send an invoice. Right? So we help you also along, your, along the way to understand what to do at different steps of your entrepreneurship journey to set up and to operate your business. Right? And this is really just the beginning of the journey. And then we, uh, we will progress, right? So think about the 
payroll when you target a bigger SMEs, right? And also credit, right? Those, those businesses are completely unserved. If you want a credit line and you started within the last three years, it's extremely difficult to get approved by a bank to... Uh, to yep. No, I fully agree. And I think that's, that's what makes it so exciting and interesting to work on these, exactly these propositions, because, um, yeah, as you, as you just mentioned, you quickly noticed it's, it's all just more than, uh, or more than just, um, a bank account and the transactions, because then you talk to your customers and they're like, Hey, um, well, I need to connect these incoming transactions to my invoices. So, uh, you know, can you help me with that? And then, then you go into invoicing and, and all these, uh, yeah, things, which are really can become quite complex from a product, you know, building and product strategy perspective. Um, but that's what makes it so interesting, I think, because once you really crack that and have one coherent ecosystem of features that really work well together, um, uh, I think that's, um, yeah, that, that's what uh, will make it really successful. And what, to be honest, the traditional banks, I don't think that they have this on the radar in that sense, because they're still thinking in, in traditional, interestingly, in like in traditional uh, views on like, well, we provide the account and you can maybe get the payment card and for SMEs, as you mentioned, if you want to get some sort of uh, loan product, um, then it starts getting really difficult again. Um, and then the banks, uh, or at least, uh, at least the ones I've been like recently working with suddenly get actually really interesting, interested in, uh, accounting data and, um, let's say e-commerce data and uh, whatever you're using to sell your products. So, um, um, yeah, I think that's, that's where the world is going and, um, having that already in baked in your product, which is what, what you're doing gives you such a massive advantage competitive advantage compared to any any other let's say you know lenders that um somehow need to figure out how to get to data how to even build credit risk models uh so i think this is uh yeah it's, it sounds really exciting um just to go back to your target group um uh is it uh is it fully focused now on um like these really uh, you know one-man companies first or um do you already open it up for like let's say smes of like employees and so on or do you have like a rollout strategy there as well again this is something for me this is something that we created the difference between being a freelancer a solo shareholder of a limited company it's something it's a barrier that our society created right so, so it's it's a status but for me, an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, right? Either you operate as a freelance or as a limited company, you're an entrepreneur, right? So, so to your question, yes, so we target right now the smaller businesses, right? So we, we for instance, don't have the payroll features, right? That will be shipped later when we, we start to grow, you know, vertically in, the, in this space. But yes, so for now, we have, have 10,000 businesses in Portugal on the waitlist. If you look at the audience, 45% today are small businesses, 55% are freelancers, 70% are Portuguese, 30% are expats, right? So this is the type of audience we are, we are targeting to, uh, today. Um, one uh, one uh, question about yeah how you set up the business, because I always find it interesting that uh, in the press and in general, I think the sentiment is that it's the barriers to entry have been massively decreased if you want to start a new banking proposition. Um, and the whole segment of like banking as a service itself with different players across Europe that have been popping up over the last years. Yeah, like still, you know, coming up, uh, building up a solution with these providers, I think can be still very, very challenging. But I, I'd be really, really curious to hear um, maybe what uh, insights you can give to other entrepreneurs that also want to look into banking, um, building something in Europe uh, and using, let's say, would you recommend to start out with like banking as a service providers to take care of like the banking infrastructure in the first place? Or how do you see it going for, you know, going directly for license, for example? Um, well, what's your 
maybe prediction and, and insights there you can give to others that build build stuff in that segment. So, Adrian, your question is if it's whether you should start with a full banking license or, or with a bus provider? Or yeah, exactly. If you if you should just do it yourself right from the beginning, or if it's if it's in your experience, if it's better just to you know build on top of banking as a service, um, and then I am convinced that in this space you eventually need uh, need to access the deposit, right? This, the, mm -hmm. the, the system has been has been built like that, right? So out of the out of the three hundred neo banks in the world, only ten have a full banking license. Yeah, right? and and only ten are actually profitable. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so the bus for me, it's indeed it's a it's an amazing way to test your product, right? And if you look at the at the successful proposition in Europe, you can last a couple of years and and build a very successful customer experience, telling the audience thanks to this uh, this new banking as a service uh, provider. Eventually, you will need. That's my opinion. You will need to be regulated. Right? You need to be regulated. You need to be in a space where you compete equally with your peers, you can access a deposit and you can also serve differently your, your, your user. Right? There, is a, there is a certain limit to, uh, to not be in license, right? because indeed the, the way you are going to address the market is uh, you are a bit dependent on your, on your banking partner, right? which is good. It's, it's amazing today, right? So we started over six months ago. We are, we are live since uh, since beginning of January. So it took us six months to really build a banking product, a legal product, and an accounting product. Right? So we built it in six months. Ten years ago, you you would have built it certainly in, in four or five years, right? So that's that's uh, that's a way to go to go to market quickly to test and to uh, and to understand how you scale, right? And 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 today, thanks to the API structure, you really you really have the opportunity to understand the customer journey, to understand what the customer needs for the next feature, and to scout and to find the best-in-class provider, right? So, for instance, you know, we were just speaking before, Adrian, about the localization. Think about invoicing, right? So, I don't think that Rova is willing to build 27 invoicing software across Europe, right? I think we, uh, we have the opportunity to scout the local market and to rapidly embed a, an invoice software provider through APIs, for instance, right? So that, that allows you to, to scale your product, to scale your product feature, and also to, to, to keep building your product, right? So payroll, tomorrow we have to embed payroll. Most likely we are going to look at the market and understanding what is a very agile software provider for payroll that you can embed potentially in a, in a banking proposition one that our users will actually use potentially, right? And this is the concept of super app and, and indeed it is becoming more and more simple to actually build a, build a super app today. Yep. No, I fully agree. And, and I think the added value for the customers is really the orchestration that you, that you put in place for them, that you will have all these features in one place and it all works beautifully together. Um, and, and again, I think this is, this is really one of the biggest advantages because, um, Let's say if you if you I don't know do you see traditional banks as your competitors even or I think we let's be honest we we are competing right you know we are I don't think incumbents are set to serve the audience we are targeting right the cost to serve for them is really high compared to, to what you are doing it will happen certainly when we start to uh, to target bigger SMEs but yeah indeed they are, they are competitors but I think the truth is 
for instance, in a country of 10 million people like Portugal, you have 1.6 million entrepreneurs. Right? So you, you have space to help them. Right? So and, uh, you, I think entrepreneur and, and the SME space or the freelance space is different. You, know, there, you have different niche in this space. Right? So there, there is space for a lot of players. But indeed, uh, the incumbents are, are trying. Now I see more and more incumbents trying, but it's difficult, right? Because, for instance, if you have a very old core banking system, start to become pretty complex to embed the new generation of APIs, right? So this is a thing where there might be something to do between the incumbent and the fintech, right? We have stuff that the, that the incumbent banks don't and vice versa. Right. If you look at the, at the network, find the network effect that a bank has, an incumbent has, it's amazing. Right. So for a fintech, for instance, there is a, an issue. How how to how do you get cash into the bank account? Right. That can be something where a fintech could, could for instance, partner potentially with a, with an incumbent. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a strongly believer that it's not fintech against banks. I really think that there is value to create and we would be smart or smarter to, uh, to look at what we can do together indeed. True. Yeah, fully agree. Um, I, I'm just asking because, uh, you know, um, adding, let's say, best-in-class products for payroll or invoicing per market and so on. Um, technically, it's absolutely possible. We're there. And I think that's, that's where you have to head start because, as you mentioned, you know, if you have, uh, if you're a traditional bank, it's, it's, most of the time really impossible to do things like that because of the tech technology depth and you know the, yeah. the barriers that they've put in place um to actually integrate external data and stuff like that so it's it's really really difficult um from the place that they're starting out compared to yours um so i think that's that's uh yeah that's one thing um and um inter interestingly though i think accounting tools and like invoicing tools that are coming from the other way i think they will be trying to integrate maybe banking features and so on so it's, that's going to be interesting but uh, yeah, maybe let's go back to what, like one thing you said at the beginning um, regarding your team uh, that you have like 12 nationalities uh, working on, on the product and on the business right now. Any insights you can give on like, you know, the, the importance of the team when you build out something, a, a new startup in that sense and a new fintech um, and having, let's say, um, experience or being in the shoes of the customers you, uh, that you want to that you want to serve. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, I'm a strong I'm a strong believer that in, in an international culture within a company helps a lot, right? And, our, and especially in this entrepreneurship space, I like the fact that we are challenged by different cultures, right? I, I live myself in, in 20 different countries, uh, live in China, live in the US, my wife is from the US. So I, I put a lot of effort personally to build an international team. That's the, the that's first. Secondly, I like working with entrepreneurs for this, especially for this proposition, because they understand, right? The, it's way easier to explain to someone doing product or to a designer, even a, a web developer, to explain to him, you know, the, the problematic of the product or the issue that the that the, the user, the robot user, is facing, if he has seen it himself, right? So this is how we hire. We hire international, right? So 12, 12 different nationalities already. We hire entrepreneurs, right? So 50, 60% of the, of the team is, has, has, a, has an entrepreneurship background. And, and, we also, and we also hire people who are actually willing to pierce in this space, right? It's a space which is untapped. It's, uh, it's risky, right? So especially in this, uh, in this environment, right? 
started six months ago, right before ECB announced the announced the the, the, the first economic crisis, right? So it, it, it is risky. It was risky, but yeah, so this is the type of mindset we we have within the team. Yeah. No, it sounds super exciting, and I fully agree. Um, I think it's so important to have like this empathy in the team when you're building stuff. Um, otherwise, you will always have you know problems really understanding. Um, yeah, what, why you're building this in in a specific way. So it's uh, I fully agree. I think this is one of the, if not the most important factor when, when you're building something in a specific fintech uh, proposition. Um, yeah, maybe to, to round it off, um, I think I just, again, like checked out uh, rawa.com. I think you, you can still uh, leave your email address there um, if for anyone interested that is listening um, to be part, uh, become part of the wait list. Anything on the next steps on like the next, uh, you know, now we have January, um, where's Rawa going to be at like the end of the year? Yeah, so so we um, so the roadmap. So when when we started back in June last year, the idea was to, and this is what you promised to uh, to our shareholder, but also internally within the team. The idea was to be live first of January, right? So this is what we have done. The, the team has done a tremendous job to uh, to get there, right? So so since last week, now you can indeed create your company. If you don't need to create your company, you can onboard directly in the bank account. We ship you the we ship you your card right so we, we started to ship the first uh, the first card uh, last uh, last week right so that's what we are doing this quarter we are fixing the app we are still building features for the official launch public launch in Portugal will be organized in April this year and then we scale like that we stay in Portugal this year right so Portugal is our our main focus we want to, to serve the, the Portuguese entrepreneur properly later next year we will start also a target in Spanish um, entrepreneurs sounds amazing yeah i wish you all the best and uh you know uh yeah uh, i'm pretty sure it's going to be a big success um but it will be interesting yeah. to follow um what, what what other features you're going to be launching and uh, how the business is going to be built up um but yeah from my side thanks a lot for for joining that you took the time for me it was super super interesting to to learn and to hear what you're yeah. building again anyone that's interested check out uh, rauva.com that's r-a-u-v-a.com um and we'll also put it in the show notes but um yeah for now thanks a lot that you joined john thank you thank you thank you all right